Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on Justin Blazak. He's the Director of Player Development at the California Golden Bears Youth Hockey Club. Uh, welcome, Justin. Hi, how you doing, man? Excellent. Super excited to have you on board here. Um, I think you've been doing some very interesting work out there. Uh, I think the, the, the reason you and I connected uh, was we saw a post that you put out talking about your four phases of technical development. So I'm excited to, to hear uh, maybe a little bit more so on the holistic of getting involved and becoming the director of player development. And then we can dive into your phasing and how you run practices from there. Yeah, I appreciate the introduction. Um, I've been with the Bears organization for the last four years. Uh, prior to that, I was I played four years of minor pro hockey. I grew up here in Southern California and started with the Golden Bears organization as a peewee player and now trying to give back to the same organization. So did you start as the director or did you grow into that role? What have you learned along the way? So um, I did not start as a director. Um, my first two years of coaching, I took a lot of time to, I guess, develop themes for myself in terms of how I want to be as a coach. And then over the course of two, three years, um, the, the organization gave me the opportunity to become the director of player development, um, the success that my teams were having both individually and team success, um, really, I guess, left an impact on, on a few of our board members. And then from that moment, I, I would say that was 2020. And then in obviously during 2020, there was, a would say minor inconvenience, yeah, we had a we had about eighty players still playing. Um, so myself and and our skating development coach uh, kind of started working together. We wanted to emphasize one of the three limiting factors of our sport, um, which is skating. The other two are understanding of time and space and uh, technical skills, stick handling, shooting, that kind of stuff. Um, with the emphasis on the skating aspect, uh, we broke our 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 development weekends down into um, four skills, right? Overspeed skating, backward skating, puck protection, and uh, the pivot or mohawk. And then we just started documenting data. We, we started documenting how many times the players uh, would touch the puck, how often players were skating. Uh, we asked the parents of those players to 
kind of use the USA Hockey Tracker app and track their own players and then provided us feedback so that we knew what we were giving the players on the ice was maximizing their time while they were with us. So kind of the emphasis there is a, a solid one to two work to rest ratio. And then from that presented our, our data to the club. And then the club gave us the opportunity to execute this last season. All right. There's just so much to unpack on that way to just unload on us. Uh, (laughs) We got our, we got our limiting factors, time, space, skating, technical skills. Um, so you said there were four phases. So maybe let's let's go into those four phases and what those each individually looked like um, as you went through the season, went through the skating progressions. That that yeah. would be really cool. Yeah. So we developed a, a periodization plan. Um, pretty standard is it takes about six weeks for players to learn a new skill. So we broke the season down into into four six week segments. Um, how that how many was, times, how many times a week are you guys hitting the ice on this? So we had the opportunity or I had the opportunity to work with every player within the organization once a week for a 60 minute time span. So eight, U, they were all grouped together to maximize ice. Uh, we had three, eight, U teams. We had three, 10, U teams. We had four peewee teams and we had two Bantam teams and each, each age group had access to one hour of skill development each week within this program. Um, The implementation on it was the first 20 minutes of the skate. Um, We broke it down to technical skills only, right? So just focusing on the skating aspect. Um, And then from that, we progressed to uh, situational play. So where those skating techniques can be applied. And then we always finish with some type of chaos, smaller game, high competition moments, um, and gave these players the opportunity to then use the skills that they had learned. Um, something that I didn't mention or forgot to mention was that with the exception of the 8U group, our 10U, 12U, and 14U groups, had, we, we would do a 10-minute video session before we got on the ice, right? And the value of that is, in my opinion, giving these players the opportunity to see what we're working on in action, why it's important, where it's important. And what that did is it just simply motivated the kids to want to be a little bit more successful in those moments. Man, that's really cool. Um, I I love that you're priming the players before the ice session with actual video. It's one thing to talk about it, but then like actually showing it happening just giving that prime of the guy's brain or the girl's brain before they actually go and try it themselves. I think that's super powerful. It's like giving such a diagram and such like, how can I do it? Like McDavid or whatever that player may be. I think that's pretty cool. Um, And then how you're progressing every single practice, um, skill, situation, chaos. I think that's, that's pretty, pretty pivotal. What I'm curious about, um, next is you said you're using USA hockey tracking app. I, I don't think I've heard of this. Uh, I probably should have heard of it, but I'm curious on one, is it through just a normal USA hockey app or is this something that's separate? And then how are parents documenting? Is it 
you click it like a time watch, like, oh, my kid's skating, now they're not. Is that how you get the data? How does this all work and play into each other? Yeah, so you can go online or even download the USA Hockey Activity Tracker. And then within that, you're able to document the, to- the player's total ice time, coach's explanation time, the time skating. Um, and I think there's also like puck handling, um, number of passes, uh, number of shots and that kind of stuff. But our, our emphasis was the explanation time. We wanted to keep that limited. So, and time skating. Um, yeah. So back to the explanation piece, we, we kind of played around with it a little bit where pretty standard in every single youth youth hockey rink you have the four lines right you have goal line to goal line you're doing some type of edge work drill you're doing some type of um overspeed drill but what is how much time is the player actually skating right and what we found out pretty quickly was in the standard four lines like the total the the total time skating within 20 minutes for some of these players where it was six minutes and 34 seconds. And we ended up changing. Um, we, we changed the environment a little bit to, to more of a one-to-one work to rest ratio and the total time skating. And simply that change went from six minutes and 30 seconds to 10 minutes and 45 seconds in one hour. Right. Uh, just to add to that, the explanation time in the standard four lines Right. So pretty standard. You have these kids, you, the coach demonstrates what what's expected. The kids go up, the coach talks, the kids come back. Then the coach demonstrates the next drill. Right. So in the standard four lines within this 20, 20 minute time frame, the explanation coach of the or explanation time of the coach was almost nine minutes. We changed how we, ch- we wanted to present the information to the players by using the NHL video. Now we have target talking points. And then from that, with a one-to-one work-to-rest ratio focus on the edge work, we reduced the explanation time in the new training environment to about five minutes. So now, and, the, and again, the time skating per player was closer to 10. So that's for, for me um, and for us and, and our organization, we're trying to maximize every, like every minute these kids are on the ice with us. I think that's absolutely fascinating. So let's say that we have a coach listening into the podcast. Uh, everyone knows four lines, pretty much go down the ice in four lines, right? Or half ice, if you got half ice, you're going halfway down the ice. What does that now look like for you? Can you give us like a, a visual explanation or try to explain it where we can picture it in our brains? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So instead of having everybody on the goal line, you put everybody along the wall and you group that, you group two players together. And then from that, you you put out two pucks. We started with pucks. We ended up using markers. Markers, there's it's it's a little bit easier. Um, it's not as distracting to the players. And then we distance those mark the couple X's. Um, let's just say eight, 10, 12 feet, depending on, uh, the age group that we're working with. And then from that one player would go on the first whistle. 
and then they would go for 30, 35 seconds. We'd blow the whistle. The next player would go while the other players resting. And then we, the, the structure behind it was to start practice. We would already have our target talking points based off NHL video. We would bring everybody toward to the middle of the ice. We would talk to them about their three exercises that are, that we're going to be getting better at today inside edge, outside edge, Mohawks, forwards, backwards, right? One foot, two feet, that kind of stuff. Um, We would go over three exercises, about two, two and a half minutes of explanation. Everybody would then go to um, a set of either X's or pucks along the wall, and then they would go. And then after three, everybody goes three times, three amount, three numbers of reps, then we would be loud and and change it. Okay, now we're working from the inside edge. Now we're going to work on the outside edge. And then now you're maximizing that one-to-one work-to-rest ratio. The players are, if the players are unsure, then now our coaches have the opportunity. We had four, four to six coaches on the ice, depending on the amount of players that we had. Um, so it was basically a, a one to eight, one coach to eight player uh, ratio. And instead of our coaches just demonstrating drills all the time, now the attention on those on those players is very detailed. It's like, well, if you, I don't want to get too far into it, Um, but it's very detailed in terms of like helping them with their technical skills, helping them with their body movements, where they should be putting weight on their blade, that kind of stuff. Ooh, where they should put weight on their skate blade. I think that's fascinating. Uh, Please dive deeper into that. I I love specifics. So let's keep it rolling. Yeah, so um, our skating director is a former uh, Olympic figure skating uh, competitor. Um, he grew up in, in the state and grew up playing ice hockey and then made the transition to figure skating, did pairs, and competed in two Olympics. Um, over the last 15 years, he's been working with the organization as well as providing uh, private training to a lot of local players. And he gets very detailed with the like the the body technique, um, the edge technique. So pretty standard is anything going forwards, right? If you're you're sitting on your inside edge going forwards, your weight should be on your heel. Anything going backwards, right? As you're you're riding along that curve um, of your of an edge, uh, you should be on your toe, right? Big toe, little toe, depending on inside or outside edge. That's my simple breakdown. <laughs> yes. So if we're going forwards, we want to be on our heels. If we're going backwards, we want to be on our toes. Correct. And what's the reason behind that? It's just how our bodies are. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. It's better to, to do it in person. But if you think about skating backwards and if your weight is on your heels, now your, your balance is simply going to be off and you're not going to be able to generate power, right? At the end of the day, we want to be able to put down force to either maintain or maximize speed. And if we're leaning on our heels and you're skating backwards and you put force down on your heels, um, you're going to tip over pretty quickly. Boom. Passing and flying colors here. Whenever podcast host is asking way too many good questions. Love it. 
Absolutely love that. Um, curious. So you're working now with all of these members of the organization. You know, was it easy for you to come in and create this programming or pick up whatever was done before you or enhance it, whatever it was? What was your experience like um, with the organization, specifically one of the stakeholders already there, the ones doing the organizing of hockey? But also the second piece, you know, how is it when you're doing these things, working with the parents, you know, what are their thoughts? How are they operating within this? What are their thoughts and feelings? So the organization, since I, the, the organization has been really successful over the last 10 years. Um, our director of hockey, his name is Peter Torson. He's been coaching in the youth hockey market here uh, for over 20 years and has developed a phenomenal name. Um, for the organization since taking over, I'd say about eight years ago. Um, what that includes is, I think in the last five years, he's gone to nationals four times at the 14UAA level. Um, and for me, the opportunity within the organization has been nothing but positive. Um, Peter's very, he's been an amazing resource for me. Um, as a coach, as a young coach, always avail makes himself available to ask questions. From a programming perspective, um, that was kind of on my own where, hey, like you, you see something that could be a little bit better. Um, you don't just go tell somebody, you, you actually create a document, you write things down, you take data, and then you, you present that. For me, I presented that to our board and it's small little small little pieces um, to make it five, seven, 10% better each and every year. And the end result of that has been our organization had a great year last season after COVID um, with a, with a parent piece. So for me, um, as the director of player development, yes, my, my responsibility includes programming for each player right? 8U through 14U. Um, but at the same time, I, I want the parents to know that we have a plan for their player. And this year, I think I hosted four Zoom meetings, breaking down the intent behind each one of our phases, so that the, the, not only the kids have an understanding of why, but the parents have a very clear understanding of, as to why. We're working on specific things, how it works into the big picture um, for their athlete. And it's been great. Um, this year has been officially my first full season. Um, and it's been, it's been amazing. Yeah, I'm always frustrated when uh, coaches are like, oh, the parents, I wish I could coach an orphanage team. Like, <laughs> parents are the best part of this. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, most of them just want a little bit of communication, understanding that. So I love the fact that you're, you're doing that for each phase and bringing it back to that big picture um, that often gets missed. It's like, what is the now? You really want to focus on the larger picture beyond that. So going back to the, these phases, um, if you wouldn't mind maybe diving through a little more slowly than last time. I couldn't even write it down in my – my notes, I got puck protection, pivot, mohawk, overspeed, and I uh, forget the fourth one. Uh, overspeed, backward skating, puck protection, and pivot protection. Got it. Got it. 
So which one did you do first and which one did you build to? Was there a reason behind going from one to the next or they all kind of blend together? So you just chose what you thought was best. Um, actually we, so I followed up with all the coaches that participated or, or helped out and was on the ice with us. And I, I put a quick little doc together to get their feedback. And a lot of the feedback was great. However, um, thinking about it over the last few weeks, um, I would change the structure. Um, so last year we went from forward to backward and then from backward to puck protection and from puck protection protection to pivot and the the intent behind that was because we wanted to separate the the forward skills skating skills and backwards or transition skating skills um and i would do it a little bit differently because of how we use the ice so for the first two uh forwards and backwards skating we we use the full ice up and down and then the, the last two um, we broke the chaos piece into, um, I would say like quarters. We broke the ice up into quarter and red line down. Right. And, um, I'm thinking moving forward that we alternate that environment. So the kids don't just get comfortable, like in small area compared to big area or vice versa. I love that. Yeah. I agree. That's good stuff. Um, man, I really like what you're doing with this program. I, I'm, I'm blushing over here, man. Really am. Don't, don't. Go, glad this is, is in the video. I look red in the cheeks here. Just how awesome this is and how excited I am. So really love what you're doing here. Um, I, I also heard you, you did the CGB Academy. I'm curious what that was. Is that just the, the video work that you're doing as well or some Zooming with the kids? What, what does that all entail? Yeah, so the the California Golden Bears Academy was created um, during, during COVID. Um, it was to keep, at, at the time, we were limited on the number of players that were allowed on the ice, and we weren't allowed to provide video in person um to those players so in, instead of not having video at all i created i think it was six or eight or maybe maybe a couple more um themes within the academy and then depending on the day uh the the players would then spend 15 20 minutes watching these videos on maybe on their way to the rink so that they were very familiar with what we were trying to accomplish on the ice uh, that day since they couldn't, we couldn't do it in person. So how did you break down those themes or go about picking the themes? Um, is it something that you, you see a lot at this level or these things you think need to be brought up earlier than maybe they traditionally have been? Uh, I'm curious to see maybe what things and the themes that you feel are most valuable and most important. Yeah. I'm, so the intent behind themes for me is to really help the athletes simplify what they're trying to accomplish today, right? And then introducing those concepts um, over the course of time, maybe we're working on angling, right? Which goes into defensive organization, right? So how does, within the team, within the tactical piece of the structure, where does angling come into play as a forward or as a defenseman, 
right? So for me, it's like we've been working on angling for let's just say a month, right? And it's it's broken up into three different practices within that month. However, as a forward, if you're you're forechecking, right, you want to cut the ice in half. As a defenseman, right, you're all of a sudden the other team's in transition. Do we want to back all the way up to the dots or do we want to surf through the neutral zone to cut down uh, their territory? Um, that That's my perspective on it. And that's a simple example um, where I have about eight to 10 different practice themes that I run depending on where the, where the team is at. Um, and that's separate from our skating environment. Uh, the intent behind that is at the end of the day, I know these kids are going to leave. Um, and the expectations of the, the, the coach next season are going to be just that you're either, Hey, you either understand angling, you understand the technical skills, you understand where, where it's applied, you either do it or you don't. And that may help you as an individual athlete, uh, make a team. Right. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. Did so that, that answer your question. Sorry. Yeah, that was good. Um, but you're basically trying to create these transferable skill sets within your players and you're starting by theming it out into little chunks so they can more quickly pick up all of these talent, with all these talents, all these skills. Am I, am I getting that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say it's like our sport is broken down into technical and tactical, right? Keeping it really simple. There's four moments inside of all invasion sports, right? Offensive organization, defensive organization, and then your two transitions. So how do the themes fit into those four moments of invasion sports? And then that's depending on, I mean, every team is that much different. You have different skills, you have different understanding. So maybe some team, one team needs a little bit more of the defensive side where the other team needs a little bit more on the offensive side. It just depends. Yes. Uh, and there's the breaking down of the game into four phases or the four roles, which I, I get the benefits of both. I, I think I, I definitely prefer the four phases because I think you can start with a, a lot bigger why drilled down from there rather than player on the puck player on the puck defense player off the puck player off the puck defense which yes there's different roles but there's so many capabilities and requirements that go into that i think the phases allows you to better understand what you need to do do you need to cut the ice do you need to contain do you need to attack immediately whatever that may be in the time that occurs within those phases, I think is absolutely beneficial as well. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on breaking the game down and keeping it simple, but not too simple where you're able to give that depth of knowledge to players. Can I, I actually, I like, I mean, four moments of the game for me is very, very simple. And then you can just like piece together like where an individual player stands inside of that. So playing with the puck, playing off the puck, forecheck, backcheck, that, that, all that kind of stuff, I think that it's important and it's that like it's not going to change. I think how we choose to teach it 
and the terminology that we choose to use as coaches for the next generation matters. So a couple of years ago, or last year, I went to the USA Hockey Level 5 um, uh, symposium in Minnesota, and a coach used the term hunting instead of backchecking, right? So how do you recreate those moments in practice so a kid wants to hunt, and now you've, you've generated that term in the games, and in backchecking is like a lull, right? It's just like, oh, I have to back check i have to back check or you get to hunt right you get to hunt that that person back down right and at at the end of the day that's helping create a two-on-one neutral in the neutral zone with your with your defenseman right so you guys get to get the puck back quicker right like um i i believe that terminology is like is everything in terms of how we choose to relate to players um and that uh, i don't know kind of a little bit of a tangent there but no, that's great. I, I think vocabulary is very underrated and underthought about piece of a puzzle, especially within the lowest, not lo- lowest is a bad word, uh, the youngest, the youngest levels and ages of hockey players because of where they are just physically developing as human beings. Like I can talk about concepts with college plus, high school plus. If I started going on, you know, philosophy with, eight-year-olds they're going to be lost and bored and not get the development they really need which you know if we can relate to hunting they'll pick it up like that and it's there we're talking about back checking and to make sure you go through the dots and all of this and making sure we're stopping our spots like that's just too much at that time it's not uh what do we call it uh, developmentally appropriate right. and being able to do vocabulary to adjust how we're saying it not just what we're saying i think is absolutely beneficial so please continue to go on tangents i'm loving this yeah what's next let's go uh what's next let's see what i got on my list here Ooh, approach to scouting and recruiting so as we know players are constantly getting pushed pulled in many different directions what what would you say to players parents that are looking at being recruited like how to find a good situation what would you look for um from that side and then say we've got some young coaches here that work in programs that are recruiting you know what is a good positive way to go about that because obviously some people do it better than others and i think you've got a fascinating um an enlightening view on this yeah i'm kind of split on this subject um and i'll explain why so i'm the director of scouting for a north american league team right so our the the target there is 16 to 19 year year old Um, we recruit not only around the U S but also Canada and Europe, right. For, for the next level talent. Um, so there's that piece and then you bring it back down to the minor hockey league level. Um, and for me, like, I think it's important to have passion as a coach, but also have a very clear uh, message to what you're going to bring to the family that you're recruiting. Right. Hey, listen, um, this is the way that I coach, have a very clear understanding of your philosophy um, as a coach. And if that fits for the family, great. And if it doesn't fit for the family, that's also great. Um, for me, I spent a lot of time in like doing video for my teams. Um, last year, I coached the two, our 2009 AAA team. 
and our 14U AA team. Um, I didn't sign up for to coach both uh, in the beginning of the year, but I was given the opportunity to work with our 09 group uh, around midseason. And I like for me, I, I explained to the families that, hey, listen, you guys are Peewee major. Here are the expectations, right? Um, and I set those in stone. And at the end of the day, the, the objective there was to help prepare these kids for Bantam hockey. And so we spent a little bit more time emphasizing on and off ice body contact. Um, we spent a little bit more time having like working on small skills, wall play, angling, the stuff that matters at the next level um, for them, as well as the, the fundamentals of, of your technical skating and, and your technical skill set. Excellent. And to, to say this uh, another way, maybe it's we, we want to find situations where players are truly developing because there's never a coach is like, we don't develop players here. We just like everyone says it, but how do you actually go about it? And I think that's the more important fact is understanding how we actually do what we do. Like, it's great to say it, but as we all know, and you know, from doing your tracking, the, the real trick is in the execution. Um, and I think that's why a lot of the best coaches give so much away because it's all in the execution. You can have the ideas, but it doesn't matter unless you can execute. And that's what you really want to find is a situation where there's, like you said, you have a plan for the player and you're able to execute on that to truly develop them, develop their talents. Yeah. And another thing just off of that, like I wasn't able to do it with my 09 team last year, but for my 14U team, we started in mid-August and about six to, six to eight weeks in, um, I worked with both my assistant coaches and we developed two technical and two tactical things that each player can improve upon um, through the rest, through, let's just say December, right? I was, the map was to do it every, twice in season. So every six to eight weeks um, and then finish with an exit meeting. And the, the value of that um, is, is, is dual where it's not just the players have added focus or added emphasis on what they're trying to accomplish and get better at every time they come to the rink. But it's also from a communication standpoint with the families you're letting them know, hey, listen, we care, and here's why, right? And like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't at the end of the day able to do a second six to eight week segment, which was pro- projected to be around January, just because I took over a team. But we we talked about those concepts, the two technical skills and two tactical skills inside their game, inside their high frequency moments um, at the end of the year, and. Players were, were really honest with themselves at the end of the year in, inside those meetings. Parents were obviously in, like honest as well. It's like, hey, we saw growth here or hey, we didn't, right? But it kind of gives up a little bit of responsibility. A, a, lot of, a lot of families, like it's always the coach's fault, right? Um, but the moment that you have these conversations, it then goes back, the onus goes back to the player, in my opinion. And the player has an opportunity to hold themselves accountable um, within the season. It's like, here's what you, we believe you need to get better at. Here's why. 
and let's go. And some players respond in a really positive way to that. Some families respond to a positive way in a positive way. And then some families don't. Right. But as, as a coach, if you believe in what you're doing um, and it's and it's worked um, in the past, I, I wouldn't say if it's worked in the past, that's, that's wrong. But if you believe in, if you truly believe in what you're doing and you're, and you're giving your best self to not only the player, but the family to get, help give them better success for next year, then that's all that people can ask of you. No. Yeah. And I, and I think you, you touch on a massive piece. Like it all comes back to the player. Like the player has to want to do it. It's not anything other than that. Like does the player want to work on something? They just want to hang out with their friends, whatever it may be at the end of the day. Um, they're the ones that have to own their development. We're here to best um, be Sherpas, you know, guide them, mentor them along their way, give them the best tools and get them more active, you know, less, less explaining, more skating, more puck touches, whatever it may be, as you say. So I, I think that's absolutely fantastic is, is how do we find ways to help players, parents self-assess better? Um, Don Granado had a great piece on Owen Power's first NHL game, and it was all around. He self-assesses really well, so he can correct really quickly. Like You're making these people who happen to be hockey players have the ability to learn faster, and I think that in itself is an invaluable piece that you can take to any aspect of life become successful at. Right. Yeah. I think uh, even now, like you're, then it comes to managing expectations, right? And it's, it's the coach's expectations. It's the player's expectations. It's the family's expectations. Uh, the, the, for me, um, when I was younger, somebody taught me how to reflect Right. So it's not just about you and I hopping on a podcast today. It's like, okay, well, what, what are the nuggets for me inside this opportunity? What are the nuggets for me inside um, your words today? So that's something that I'm going to have the opportunity to then reflect on. So that next time we talk, maybe I'm a little bit more prepared or more knowledgeable or right. Uh, Just so I can continue to become a better person. Um, And I, I think, the ability, like 14 years, 14 years old, right? Like think about when you were 14 and what you were thinking about and, and all the outside stuff that's happening to you with girls and, and school and hockey and other sports. Um, you want to create, in my opinion, you want to create an environment where kids feel comfortable coming to you, right? Kids feel comfortable and confident where they can, they know they're coming to a place where they can talk hockey or they can talk life. And I think that goes into like, I show my care to my, to my players um, through the video work that we do. Right. Like, Hey, we're not just getting on the ice today. Hey, we're doing video session. Hey, here's why, because I care about you. Right. And because of those little moments, um, in my opinion, now you're, the players are able to open up a little bit more and you're able to build those relationships long-term. I mean, it's just, it's creating just such a great process, whether it be hockey wise or elsewhere, right? Like the preparation that needs to go into things, the planning, the actually doing it, having communication, the ownership of 
the entire process and looking internally before looking externally and then having that space to grow and you just alluded to it having an environment where it's okay to fail where it's okay to talk about things and not be scared of these things and just go for it yeah like so for us i have a like a 70 30 um 70 positive in, inside video sessions and 30 percent these are things we need to work on right and then everything is supported by nhl video and and the first time a kid sees himself on the screen, it's like, oh, that's really cool, right? And then the next time it's like, hey, listen, you're part of the 30% of things that need to get to work on. So it's like now you're changing their pers- perspective of themselves inside of that. It's like, oh, there's a there's a 300-foot view here as well, right? And that what that does, in my opinion, is it adds accountability to the team. It adds accountability to themselves, Right. And they're like, oh, I, I really need to get to work on this. Right. And what that does is it then drives um, our practice environment. It drives our, our competitiveness inside practice where kids want to get better. Right. Not because they're, they're being told to, but because they see themselves. And now it's like, oh, I want to get better here. And you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I watched myself on video and I was like, oh, it's really cool. And then about two seconds later, I'm like, oh, man, I'm way worse than I ever thought it was. <laughs> but 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 then it was like, OK, I'm not going to do that anymore. You just right. start picking things up. But, I mean, that was me later in life. And video wasn't uh, as pronounced when I was playing. And today it's everywhere and live barn in every single rink, it feels like. Right. So I, I think it's it's super important. And like you said, like the video doesn't lie. You start to get the accountability, the ownership. Um, and it's just oh so cool what you're doing uh, there in Southern California. So uh, anyone in the LA is it LA or San Diego? Which area? We're in LA. LA. So if you're in the LA area, I highly suggest hanging out with the Golden Bears. I appreciate that, Greg. <laughs> so this has been a lot of fun. Um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? I'll, I'll give you two minutes here at the end to talk about anything, any subject, or if you think we need to bring up another topic before we uh, pop off, let's, let's do it. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I think there's so many golden nuggets in there, whether you're a hockey director, a hockey player, a hockey parent, a hockey coach, uh, or just a human. No, I think, uh, first off, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity um, to be here with you. And I will be seeing you in Florida in a couple of days. Hey, do you, do you promote that or no? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see each other in Florida for the, the Belfry. This will, this will be released well after the fact, but it's going to be a fun time. And I already can say, Hey, it's, it's much better to meet in person and uh, give some high fives. Yeah. All right, Greg, I, I really appreciate your time, man. And thanks again for the opportunity to be on your show. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. Uh, the pleasure was all mine having you on. I uh, really appreciate taking the time. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a beauts here next week for a brand new episode.